the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Can you really change your brain? According to today's guest, Dr. Daniel Amen, you're not stuck with the brain you were born with. You can change it and change your life. Dr. Amen is one of America's leading psychiatrists and brain health experts. He has authored or co-authored 70 professional articles and more than 30 books, including the New York Times mega bestseller, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. Dr. Amen has appeared on numerous television shows, including Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, The Doctors, and The View. He was a consultant for the movie Concussion starring Will Smith, and he appeared on the Emmy-winning show, The Truth About Drinking. Dubbed America's most popular psychiatrist by The Washington Post, Dr. Amen's work has been featured in Newsweek, Time, The New York Times, The Washington Post, ABC World News, and 2020, among others. Welcome, Dr. Eamon. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks so much for having me. So, Doctor, you are recognized as a brain health expert. What is it that led you to be so interested in the brain? Well, it's funny. I was a really good neuroscience student in medical school, but I never really thought about my own brain until I got a chance to look at it. So at Amen Clinics, Xavier Clinics around the country, uh, including one in Manhattan, when we started looking at the brain, I looked at mine, and I'm like, oh, that's not healthy. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I played football in high school and had meningitis as a young soldier. Uh-huh. And my 60-year-old mother had a better-looking brain than I did at 37. And I then became obsessed with, well, can I make it better? And if I make it better, will I have more energy, more focus, a better mood, better decisions? And it really just transformed everything I did for myself, but also for my patients. So, doctor, let's start there. The the brain that you had at age 37, if someone has been living a lifestyle that may not have been kind to his or her brain... Is it ever too late to make the changes that can cause it to be healthier? Well, that's one of the most exciting things we've learned is it's really never too late that the habits you do today will improve or worsen your brain tomorrow. And so learning how to love and care for your brain and then um, well, what are the strategies I can do to optimize it um, really is so exciting. And, and I work with a group at Stanford on how people change, and they change through these little tiny habits. You know, what's the smallest thing I can do today that'll make the biggest difference? And I came up with this question, which is the tiny habit of brain health. It's before you go and do something today, just ask yourself, is this good for my brain or bad for it? And if you love yourself, you'll choose good because it's never you should do the right thing. It's about love. I do the right thing because I love my life. I love my wife. I love my mission. I love me. And so 
too many people get hung up on, oh, I can't have this and I can't have that. And it's like, come on, God gave you a big brain for a reason. Mm -hmm. There are 10,000 good things you can do. Um, So, for example, food's hugely important in this. And I only want to eat foods I love that love me back. Uh, You know, and probably a lot of your listeners have been in a bad relationship. I've certainly been in bad relationships in the past. And I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm for sure not doing that with the food I eat because I have a choice. And the food I eat, well, will it love me back? I only eat things I really love, but will it love me back? Doctor, in addition to food, what are some of the biggest factors that influence brain function? So the air you breathe, the water you drink, the thoughts you think, all of this matters. And the food you eat, the relationships you have. Whenever we evaluate someone in Amen Clinics, we look at their brain that's really important to us. But we also evaluate their brain in these four big circles. So what's the biology, the physical function of your brain? What's the psychology? How do you think? And we live in a world of undisciplined thinkers. Um, What's the social circle? So who do you hang out with? The fastest way to get healthy is to find the healthiest person you can stand and spend as much time around him or her as possible. And the spiritual circle, which is ultimately about why do you care? Why are you on the planet? What's your sense? of meaning uh, and purpose, because purposeful people live longer, they're happier, they're more engaged in their lives. With this 24-7 world that we live in, the technology and this constant stimulus, are our brains on overload? Are they, are they short-circuiting? Well, <laughs> our attention span is withering. Right. Uh, and it's so we're being bombarded by technology that was purposefully made to be addictive. So we just have to like start with that. Uh, And I have a new book I just finished uh, that'll be out next year called The End of Mental Illness. And because these things aren't mental, they're brain. And when you get that, it just changes everything. And in the book, I talk about the evil ruler. If I was an evil ruler, well, what would I do to create mental illness? And the first thing I do is create addictive phones and addictive food and addictive gadgets to steal your attention. And then I would have you pay attention to things that are angry, divisive, or make you feel like you're less than other people. This is a, it's a serious situation because I worry about our children. I have two sons that are in their 20s and I see a major difference in them from people my own age, and it really makes me nervous about the little kids that are growing up today with all of this technology. We have no idea what their brains are going to be like when they're older. Well, you know, there's some new studies, and it's just not good uh, that people spend more time on social media, have thinner brains, that the cortex of their brain is actually thinner. That's a bad thing. Um and they're addicted. I mean, you can even see it in as young as one-year-olds, that if their parents have given them the phone a fair amount to babysit them, that they can't stop looking. And that's a really bad thing. So, Doctor, as I'm getting older, one of the things that I experience, and a lot of my friends complain about it as well, is that we seem to have this brain fog or this memory loss. I mean, I know I can walk into a room and as I'm entering the room, forget why I was going in. And sometimes in a conversation with someone like you during an interview, I think I know where I'm going and I totally lose my train of thought. Why is that happening? Is it because of all the things we just discussed? Well, it's not normal. So that's important to understand. People who complain of memory problems, if they don't do something about it, 80% of the time they get worse. And so the question to ask yourself, is my memory worse than it was 10 years ago? And if it is, you should do something about it. And in my book, Feel Better Fast and Make It Last, which is out now, I talk about if you want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it, if it's headed to the dark place, you have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. And we know what they are. 
And I have a mnemonic I like called Bright Mind. So, for example, to be in Bright Minds is for blood flow. Low blood flow is the number one brain imaging predictor of Alzheimer's disease. So, you know, we see that on the imaging work we do. The study we do is called SPAC, and SPAC looks at blood flow and activity. You also know if that's you if you don't exercise. It goes with lower blood flow. If you smoke um, or you vape, if you drink much caffeine, constricts blood flow to the brain. If you have any form of heart disease or hypertension, all of those um, decrease blood flow to the brain. So for these 11 risk factors, it's like know which ones you have and then attack them. So with blood flow, it's like the supplement ginkgo helps. Exercise helps. Certain foods like beets, rosemary, cayenne pepper can help. So none of it's hard. You just have to know, well, what are my risk factors? And age is a risk factor. And what a lot of women don't know is, yes, when you go through menopause, lower progesterone and estrogen goes with lower blood flow to the brain. So I'm a fan of testing it, bioidentical hormone replacement. But a lot of women don't know 10 years before you go into menopause, your hormones are already shifting, especially progesterone goes low. And when that happens, it means women are becoming more irritable. They have more trouble sleeping. They're more anxious. And then they start to drink more or they get on mommy's little helper like Xanax or they start taking antidepressant medication. All of those things can lower blood flow to the brain and make you worse. You just mentioned antidepressants. I know a lot of people that are taking them. Do you think that those types of drugs are overprescribed? No question in my mind. 23% of women between the ages of 20 and 60 are taking antidepressant medication. Depression is not a Prozac deficiency. It means your brain's not healthy. So what are the things, you know, head-to-head against antidepressants? Fish oil has been shown to be equally effective. Walking like you're late, 45 minutes, four times a week, equally effective. Um, learning how to not believe every stupid thing you think. So if you get sad, first thing to do is not get on a medication that you're going to have trouble stopping. It's to check your lifestyle and make sure you're doing the right thing. I saw a cartoon this week where toxic drugs and surgery versus lifestyle changes. And uh, the window for lifestyle changes was empty. But there was this huge line for toxic medication and surgery. And that's a real frustration point for me. Because in medical school, I learned first do no harm. Use the least toxic, most effective treatment. And there's this great new study out of Australia where they went to the outer islands. And one outer island had fast food restaurants. Another outer island did not have fast food restaurants. And they randomly got 100 people in each island, and they measured in their blood their omega-3 fatty acid level. And then the island with fast food was significantly lower, and that island had five times the level of depression than the island without fast food. So your diet matters. Another study that showed that if you just put more colorful fruits and vegetables in your diet, it significantly improved your mood. And, you know, the food we're feeding people in this country, it's killing us. The D in Bright Minds is diabetes. And 40% of us are obese, 70% of us overweight. I published two studies that show as your weight goes up, the size and function of your brain goes down, which should just scare the fat off anybody. Um, so if we really work on our diet, our brains can be so much better. Well, and that's what your work teaches because conditions like anxiety, depression, anger, obsessions, they are brain issues. 
And, and, you know, it's when we take these drugs, it's just putting a Band-Aid and not getting to the root cause of, of what might be going on. And it sounds like we have a lot more power to heal this than we think we do. And that's all wonderful news. It's all wonderful news. You just have to know better because when people know better, they tend to do better. And we need to do something better. Um, I was at the White House about a year ago and we were talking about the opiate epidemic. And, you know, the big idea I had was we need a national brain health initiative. We need to teach kids and workplaces and churches to love their brain so that we would never want to poison it. But most people never develop a personal relationship with their brain. So when I saw my scan, I developed a personal relationship. I'm like, that's bad. I can do better. And 20 years later, my brain was fuller, fatter, healthier. You are not stuck with the brain you have, but you have to first fall in love with it. Doctor, I believe in the power of our thoughts, and a majority of our daily thoughts are negative, and they're the same thoughts that we had from the day before. So what advice do you offer our listeners to help them shift these automatic negative thoughts so we can better utilize brain power? You know, I write about this a lot, and this is something they actually should have taught us in second grade, which is you don't have to believe every stupid thing you think. From an evolutionary standpoint, our brains are wired for fear because knowing that something is going to eat you helps you prevent being eaten. And so often we wake up or we spend our days predicting the worst possible thing that's going to happen, and we don't know how to manage our minds. And the simple, tiny habit to get your mind right is whenever you feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, write down what you're thinking and then just ask yourself if it's true. If you absolutely know it's true. I stole this from my friend Byron Katie. She wrote a great book called Loving What Is. And I just, it's a great ant killing book. So ant, automatic negative thoughts. If you don't correct them, they start to multiply. And if you're hanging out with negative people, your ants will mate with their ants and all of a sudden you have super ants and you feel awful and it's not a, a fun time. But you don't have to believe every stupid thought you have. Tell us about the Daniel Plan. How can following this program improve health and well-being? Well, goodness, it was about almost nine years ago that Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church called me. Um, And Saddleback's one of the largest churches in the world. They have 18 locations. He said, I'm fat. My church is fat. Will you help me? He saw me on public television talk about the dinosaur syndrome, big body, little brain. You're going to become extinct if we don't get control over this. And so together with my friend, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman, we created the Daniel Plan for Saddleback Church based on these five pillars. So faith, why do you care? Food, fitness, focus, which is focus on brain health. And friends, we get better together or sick together. And the first week we launched it in 2011. 15,000 people signed up. The first year, they lost a quarter of a million pounds. It was really exciting. And now thousands of churches around the world have done the Daniel Plan. And um, I'm just so blessed to be able to teach people, love your brain, love your body, know how to care for it, because it's going to take you through the rest of your life. And, you know, I turned 65, and I love my four children. But quite honestly, I never want to have to live with them. And I love them. I never want to be a burden. I don't want them taking my license from me. I don't right. want them. You know, I'm dealing with all this stuff from my, with my own dad. And, but if that's true, that I love my independence, then that means I have to take care of my brain. If you would like to get more information about the Daniel Plan or any of Dr. Amen's work, you can visit DanielAmonMD.com. Doctor, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, the big message of my work is you're not stuck with the brain you have. You can make it better. I can prove it. 
and you just have to know how. Um, you know, some of my books, like you mentioned, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, or my new book, Feel Better Fast. Uh, they can learn about our clinics at amenclinics.com. Um, it's, it's just the most exciting advance in medicine is you're not stuck with the brain you have. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us and for talking about the power of the brain. As you explained, there's much that we can do to tap into that power and to learn how to use our brain instead of allowing it to use us. So thank you for spending time with us. Thanks so much. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Allison Carmen, a business consultant, life coach, and author of The Gift of Maybe, offering hope and possibility in uncertain times. Allison's podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, provides simple tools to reduce daily stress and worry. She's here today to discuss how to let go, even if only for a moment. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us. Oh, Joan, thank you so much for having me. So, Allison, many people have trouble letting things go. These things that we hold on to, they consume us and they keep us from moving forward. As you quote in your podcast, we refuse to put down what we carry in order to open the door. Why do you think we do this? Well, I don't think we do it on purpose. I think what happens is that we wake up in the morning and something will happen. Um, Something could happen with our kids or we have a stress at work and then we just go into the next moment and then something could happen with a friend and then we go into the next moment and we just go moment to moment and we just accumulate stress within us and we don't realize that if we're carrying everything from yesterday, the day before, the day before that, we don't enter the moment with, with a freedom and we don't enter the moment with the ability to enjoy what's in front of us and to create something new. And this idea actually came to me through a story that Mark Nepo wrote in his book, The Book of Awakening. And he tells a story about a friend who went to a hardware store and he gathered gallons of red paint and wooden mixing sticks and drop cloths and brushes. And he was carrying it to his house because he was going to paint his house. And uh, he kept trying to open the door. But because he didn't put the stuff down, he couldn't open the door, and he ended up falling back, and he had red paint all over him. And for me, it's such a great symbol that what happens is we don't realize that when we don't put things down, we are falling back instead of moving forward, that we really have the ability to put things down and enter the moment new. And even if we just do it for a moment, like sometimes I could be going out for lunch and I'll have an issue with one of my clients. What I do in my mind is I use every doorway as this thought in my mind, I could put this down. So before I leave my apartment, I'll say I could put this down right now because I'll see that door and then I'll go out for lunch. And because I put it down, I have the spaciousness in my mind and something new will pop into my head to help my client. And we don't realize that that's the thing that's really happening. We're accumulating stress, but we're also, we don't have any space in our mind for anything new to come to us. 
So we're not aware that we're accumulating. We're not aware that we're holding on to stress, and we don't even know that we could put it down. So the best thing people could do is actually use the doorways. There's a door to our apartment. There's a door in our office. There's a car door. We have all these doors all the time. So what's so amazing is that we could create this awareness. As we open a door, put it down. Put down what just happened with your husband. Put down what just happened with your boss. Enter this moment new. See if you could just be present. Through presence, we can enjoy the moment. And through presence, we actually become our most creative selves. That's where our lives change. When we put down what happened to us in the last moment, and we allow ourselves to enter into the next moment new. And that's such a great practice because, as you say, even if it's only for a moment, that moment turns into hours, and then those hours turn into days and weeks and months and years. And I think when we approach things, we always think, well, I'm going to stop this behavior and that'll be it forever. But that's not really the way it works. It's, it's taking those moments, as you say, and changing the way that we approach life and the, and the way that we do things so that it lasts. Absolutely, because we think life is this grand puzzle. Right. So we're just going to try to finish that puzzle and fix everything and the puzzle will be done and everything will be great. But life doesn't work like that. Even if you do figure out a situation, there's always going to be another problem. Things are always moving. Life is always complicated. So we can't always figure everything out. And that's why putting things down, even for a moment, is one of the best practices we could do because we're like, I can't figure out this problem in this moment, but I'm going out for lunch, but I'm going into a business meeting, but I'm doing this, but I'm doing that. And if we could put down the thing that's ho- that we're holding on to, maybe a fight we had or a problem we had and enter into this next moment clear and say, I'm just going to put it down for now and enter this moment. I'll pick it up later. We could really change things. And we could also feel the preciousness of life. That's the thing that we miss the most. When I'm carrying everything from the entire day, the most beautiful sunset could be in front of me. The most beautiful friend could be in front of me. A great business opportunity could be in front of me. I won't really see it. And even if I do do see it, I won't enjoy it because my heart is so tight from what happened yesterday. So again, this visualization, we could actually visualize, I'm entering through this story. I'm going to put this down and I'll pick it up later enter the moment new and create something new in your life or just a new experience. And that's what life is, a string of beautiful experiences if we allow ourselves to be present enough to what is before us. Allison, what's the final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Again, I know I've repeated myself, but think of all the doorways in your life. Every time you cross a doorway, try to create the awareness. What am I holding on from yesterday, last month, last year? What is causing this tightness in my heart, this stress? Can I put it down? Because if we put it down, like just like that story I told, if we put down the brushes and the paint, we'll have space and we'll have the ability to enter the moment new and to pick up something else. That's what we all want. If we want our lives to change, we need to put down the hurt, the stress, the worry, and allow ourselves to have this space within us, to have this new experience, to create this new opportunity. And I can almost guarantee that when we start to do this and we live with less stress and more joy, life truly starts to change moment to moment to moment. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Allison or if you'd like to listen to her podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, you can visit her website, alisoncarmen.com. And to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Allison. We'll be right back. Do you believe that there can be a silver lining from tragedy and that blessings come in disguise? Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Your attitude determines how you view a situation and how you move through it. A tragedy is defined as an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress. We understand the meaning of those words. However, I believe the important component is how we view the situation. What may be a tragedy to one person is nothing more than a bump in the road to another. And while we can agree that events such as death, divorce, or job loss create less than desirable circumstances, Each can be viewed and handled differently from one person to the next. The key is that person's outlook. There are people who see the glass half full in all situations and others who see it as half empty. We have a choice about how we view what occurs in our life and that choice determines how we will transition through a tragic experience. So how can you get through a tragedy? Recognize that you have a choice in the situation. We often believe that we are a victim of circumstance and that this will be our lot in life. We think that we will never recover. 
The key to moving on is to know that you have the power to change the situation. No matter how devastating the circumstance, you have the power to get through it. You are not a victim. The choice is yours. Never suppress your feelings. Hurt, sadness, and grief are all normal emotions, and they should be felt. The problem occurs when you allow yourself to stay stuck, when you assume the role of victim. Get help if you cannot do it by yourself. Read books and seek information that can help you get your head in the game. Reach out to friends and loved ones. Isolation can make the situation worse. And seek professional assistance if you're overwhelmed, depressed, or have suicidal thoughts. Remember, you're not alone and you have a choice. How we experience our life comes from how we view what we experience. As Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Thanks for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so stay a minimum of six feet away from others and stay home if you can. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. My next guest, Dr. Michael Roizen, the Chief Wellness Officer of the Cleveland Clinic, and Dr. Michael Krupain, the Medical Director of the Dr. Oz Show, are here to talk about what to eat and when to eat it for healthier living. They are the authors of What to Eat When and the What to Eat When Cookbook. Welcome, Dr. Roizen and Dr. Krupain. Thank you so much for joining us. Joan, it's a privilege. Thank you. So, Dr. Royzen, let's begin with you. In your book, What to Eat When, you write about the when way to eating. Can you explain to us what that means? Sure. Um, Many people don't eat with the sun, and the sun sets up your body to eat correctly. That is, the sun not only causes a circadian rhythm for when you sleep, but it changes other hormones such that you become, in, in a scientific way, more insulin resistant as the day progresses. What that means is that the sun wants you to eat and your body wants you to eat more early, less later, so that your body is most efficient. And you can look at it in terms of calories. A calorie is a calorie is a calorie in the test tube, but in your body, a calorie in the morning is like nine-tenths of a calorie. A calorie in the evening is 1.1 calories, so that eating the same amount earlier compared to later, you'll lose weight by eating earlier. And that's one of the key things that we know, that our bodies want us to eat more early. Another way to put it, Joan, actually, is that our metabolism changes throughout the day with that circadian rhythm that Mike was talking about. So our metabolism sets our body up to be more efficient at processing calories and eating food early and less later. So we recommend you get about 70 to 80 percent of your total calories before 3 p.m. So you make breakfast and lunch your largest meals of the day and dinner your smallest. So Dr. Coupain, to elaborate upon that, what should those meals consist of? So one of our other principles is don't stereotype food. So we think that you want to eat your dinner for breakfast or for lunch. So we don't think you should be eating a lot of sugary cereals and pastries. You should be focusing on eating real foods, plant-based foods mostly. One of our other favorite foods is salmon. So there's plenty of salmon recipes throughout the cookbook. But basically you should be focused on eating whole foods, ideally that you cook yourself, filled with lots of vegetables because those foods are the things that are best for you. Mike likes to put it his way, so I'll let him answer that part of that. So so my favorite phrase in this is, uh, food is a relationship. So you wouldn't marry someone who is trying to kill you. You shouldn't eat food that's trying to kill you. You should eat food you love, but that loves your body back. And so my favorite breakfast is a salmon burger that's walnut-crusted, Gives it a little extra crunch. And, and Dr. Coupain. Yeah, my favorite breakfast is actually cold pasta. Because when you eat pasta, I love pasta. Mm-hmm. I love, and we're okay with eating grains, especially whole grains. And when you eat pasta 
normally pasta is made up of starch, and starch is a sugar. And when you eat it, it raises your blood sugar, it turns into sugar. That's not good for you. But when you eat your pasta cold, it actually some of that starch becomes something called resistant starch. And resistant starch acts more like fiber in your body, which feeds your good gut bacteria and doesn't get absorbed into your blood like sugar quite as quickly. And we've got lots and lots of pasta recipes in this book because, after all, again, it is my favorite food. So, Dr. Coupain, as an Italian girl, I've finally been doing something right all of these years. Eating cold pasta? Eating cold pasta. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And 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 he says that's it. And many people who look first looked at the book and said, "We don't want to eat this way." Well, they've been eating this way because they've been eating cold pizza in the morning a lot. <laughs> so, in fact, people, it's not that hard. And if you do it four days in a row, what you find is you're not as hungry at night. You'll sleep better, and you'll have much more energy. And uh, one of the phrases that Dr. Coupain likes. Um, is the sun always rises. If you mess up, the next day the sun rises, there's another chance to get on track again so that mistakes shouldn't disrail, derail you. Dr. Coupain, are there benefits to intermittent fasting? Yes, we definitely think there's benefits to intermittent fasting. And the way Mike described eating the what to eat when way is actually a form of intermittent fasting. So the idea is you eat more early and less later, right? So you make breakfast and lunch your biggest meals of the day dinner the smallest, and then you stop eating when the sun go de- goes down or when it's supposed to go down. So you're not eating for about 12 hours or maybe a little bit more. Most of it's while you're sleeping, so it's not that bad. And the theory is that when you do intermittent fasting, there's lots of theories around why it might work. One of them is that it helps you throw a metabolic switch. So when you burn through all your carbohydrate stores, you actually start burning fat, which is your body's actually set up to burn fat at night. And the flicking of that that metabolic switch from burning carbohydrates to burning fat activates all kinds of protective mechanisms in your body that Michael was talking about before and that help protect your brain, make you uh, healthier. Because think about it back once upon a time, we couldn't eat all the time because we didn't have refrigerators or electricity. We actually had to go a day or so or more maybe without eating. And our bodies had to be good at that so that we could find that next meal. Now... When you talk about intermittent fasting, a lot of people are doing it wrong, and there's two things that they're doing wrong. One, I used to do it myself, I know, is they eat their largest meal at night. And as we've been saying, that's the worst time to eat a lot of food because your metabolism is set up so you eat more early and less later. And two, they only focus on when they eat, on the fasting part, but not on what they eat. And so it's really important that you balance both the what and the when, which is why we wrote the What to Eat When cookbook to help people understand that and give them lots of great recipes to make it easy. And so very quickly, I'd like to give each of you a a brief takeaway. Dr. Royzen, begin with you. What would you like to leave our listeners with? So food is very key to your health. We go through a lot of techniques in the book that make food even healthier and more tasty and so that anybody, you don't have to be a professional chef, we teach medical students how to do it. The third author made, Dr., which is Chef uh, Jim Perko from the Cleveland Clinic, and he made it a great point because he teaches medical students who've never cooked anything other than out of a jar before or can. He taught them how to cook beautifully and well and easily. So cooking for your health is really easy. And Dr. Coupin? Yeah. I want to tell you about three things people are not eating enough of. People aren't eating enough fruits and vegetables, enough salmon, and enough walnuts. And so in this book, we've combined lots of recipes with all of those things and given you the technique, people the techniques they need so they can cook them themselves and make them delicious. Because the reason people don't eat these foods, in our view, is because they just don't know how to cook them properly. So we've broken it down, made it really simple, and um, everything in here is really delicious. The book is The What to Eat When Cookbook, and thank you, Dr. Royson and Dr. Coupain, for spending time with us. Thank you, thank Joan. You. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Is clutter affecting your quality of life? 
Before you say no, think about it a moment. Hi, I'm Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized. As a professional organizing firm that specializes in serving clients who are chronically disorganized, we help people change their lives as well as organize their homes and offices. The Institute for Challenging Disorganization has created the Clutter Quality of Life Scale, CQLS, as a subjective assessment of the consequences of clutter on a person's quality of life across various domains, including interpersonal relationships, psychological distress, financial difficulties, physical challenges, and unsafe living conditions. Asking questions like, do you feel overwhelmed by clutter? Are you concerned about what others may think of you if they saw the clutter in your home? Have you neglected to take care of things that need to be done in your home because of the clutter? And using a scale of one, strongly disagree, to seven, strongly agree, the CQLS evaluates the extent to which clutter impacts someone on a daily basis. The results can be eye-opening. Once someone is aware of the impact of clutter on one's life, appropriate steps can be taken to mitigate its effects, like seeking counseling and professional organizing help. I'm Gail Gruenberg with Let's Get Organized. Working with you on site or virtually, we can help bridge the gap between wanting to get organized and actually doing it. If you're ready to improve your quality of life by ridding yourself of clutter, call us at 201-364-6833 or visit lgorganized.com. When you're having a conversation in relationship and it's somewhat controversial, you probably want to be heard and be right. Quite often that's what we want. And so we're maybe a little defensive, but is that right? Or do we want a result? The result being we'd like to get along. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson, Quality for Life Coaching. And they are two different things, getting along versus being heard and being right. See, because being heard and right is our defense, then that connects to our ego. But ego's not really going to get you that far. If you want a result, then you're going to want to work with humility and truth. So if you've got a difference of opinion, I mean, for me, I'll quickly look for a reason to say I'm sorry. And it has to be true. If I don't know what I've done yet, then I will say, I'm sorry you're hurting. I've done something wrong here because you're hurting. But let's talk further so we can figure this out. And you don't want to talk at someone by saying you this and you that because people just shut their ears. You want to use words like we and use words like experience. I'm having this experience. I know your experience is different. There isn't a right or wrong. There's just different experiences going on here. So we just need to talk it through and land somewhere that feels really good for both of us. So you want to do a lot of that non-heated conversation so that you can both feel good, but nobody is charging at another person. It's not being heard and right. It's just working toward the positive result. Lindsay Levinson, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Look me up. I'd love to talk to you, help you in any way I might be able to. When deciding to list your home for sale, the goal is to sell your home at the highest price possible within the shortest period of time. Making sure that your home sells fast is an important part of this process because it makes sure that you net the most money possible. Hi, my name is Danielle Grosso from my team, GC Properties, New Jersey, within Keller Williams Realty, here to share four tips with you on how to sell your home faster and at the highest price. One, make buyers feel at home by decluttering your home. Pack away all personal items like pictures, awards, and sentimental belongings. Two, since you took the time to declutter, keep it organized. Before the buyers show up, pick up toys, make the beds, clean and put away the dishes. Three, give buyers full access. Some buyers, especially those relocating, don't have much time available. If they can't get into your house right away, they might move on to the next one, and you don't want to miss the opportunity. Four, and most importantly, price it right. With all the competition coming onto the market, you want to make sure your home is noticed. By pricing it to sell immediately, your home will be seen by the greatest amount of buyers, might get multiple offers, and will sell above the asking price. Wouldn't that be great? If you want to sell your home in the least amount of time, at the best price, with as little hassle as possible, a local realtor is a useful guide. Call them today to find out what you need to do to get your home sold. And if you have any further questions about real estate, whether that be buying, selling, or investing, please visit our website, gcpropertiesnj.com and click the contact button. I'd love to connect. Hi, doctor. 
Hey, freelancer. Hi there, business owner. Today's world has so many acronyms. As leaders called upon to speak to our teams, to the public, and to our patients and clients, we must be very careful about the choice of acronyms that we use. If folks don't understand our acronyms like ROI, EBITDA, EMR, CRM, FTCPA, etc., then our messages are missing the target. This is Vito Mazza with Kinem.com, and today I want to share two powerful and positive acronyms, Naruka and NAOP. In our professional careers, when we are awarded preferred status by a particular person or organization, it's a positive idea to share that with our potential clients. I'm delighted to share a proud moment about NARUCA, the Northeast Regional Urgent Care Association, and NAOP, the National Association of Occupational Health Professionals, two outstanding medical organizations. We are thrilled to announce that Kinem Inc. has just been honored with preferred vendor status by both of these outstanding medical entities. They represent two of the fastest growing segments in medicine. Kinem will be helping them with cash flow management services. We're very grateful for this recognition and would love to tell you more about it. So call me at 800 800- 850-5110. In today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to Conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, search for Conversations with Joan, and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, cyacyl.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. It's time for To Your Health. Joining me today to discuss how we can alleviate the stress of the busy holiday season is Dr. Erin Margo-White, lead researcher and associate professor at the University of North Florida's Department of Public Health, Brooks College of Health. Welcome, Dr. White. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Dr. White, according to a recent poll, one-third of people will experience stress today. The poll found that 68% of people feel stress on a weekly basis, with 32% being stressed every day. And women, in particular, are affected as one in four say they feel stressed multiple times per day. So, tell us about the study that was conducted by the University of North Florida's Department of Public Health. What did it reveal? Sure. Well, our research is in a newer area of public health called Health by Design, which is all about creating calming and restorative environments to promote health and reduce stress. So in this study, we focused on the impact of flowers in the environment. And what we found was that women living with flowers, even just for a few days, had a significant decrease in their stress levels. What is it about flowers that can help us relax and unwind? Yeah, well, flowers are a form of nature contact. And we know from past research findings that contact with nature has been shown to reduce stress. So, for example, we know that having a potted plant, having a view from a window, and even listening to recorded nature sounds can significantly reduce stress. So it made sense to us that flowers would also reduce stress. How can having flowers in the house help us better manage the holidays? Well, the holidays, as you reported um, in the lead-in to this, to this interview, the stress is a significant societal concern. So we know that we have high levels of reported stress in the United States. And over the holidays, that level of stress can increase in many of us. So thinking about ways to reduce our stress is really important. Um, and what flowers can do is it's a really simple solution of bringing the outdoors in, bringing Increasing our contact with nature by having flowers in our home is a really simple and easy way to have a meaningful impact on our stress levels. Doctor, to reap the benefits, is there anything we have to do with the flowers or is it just enough to have them around us? No. In fact, our research is focused, well, in this study, we focused on cut flower arrangements. Mm -hmm. Um, But in general, our research finds that passive exposure to contact with nature has been shown to reduce stress. So simply having that contact around us without necessarily interacting in any sort of active way with it has been shown to reduce stress and promote health. Doctor, why do you believe this research is so significant? I think it's 
really important for two reasons. The first is because stress is a serious societal concern, as we mentioned. A lot, a lot of people are suffering and dealing with stress on a day-to-day basis, and especially during the holidays. Um, and the second reason why I think these findings are really important is because it's so simple. It's a simple solution to stress. Simply bringing contact with nature in, such as flowers, having a meaningful reduction in stress level, that's something we can all do, and it's a simple solution that, that could help us all. Doctor, thank you so much for being here with us. If our listeners would like to get more information, you can visit aboutflowers.com slash stressless. Doctor, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, the takeaway is just for all of us to think about ways that we can bring contact with nature indoors. We spend 90% of our time in indoor environments. So thinking about those environments and creating those calming, restorative moments of calm when we can is really important. So bringing, having flowers in your home or in your workplace or wherever you may be is one important thing you can do to reduce your stress. Dr. White, thank you so much for joining us. I know what will be in your home this holiday season. That's exactly right. The trick is to enjoy life. Don't wish away your days waiting for better ones ahead. I recently stumbled upon this quote by Marjorie Pay Hinckley. Marjorie's words got me to thinking about my life and how I've rushed most of it away, not being fully present or savoring the joy of any moment. Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Don't wish away your days waiting for better ones. When I was a teenager, I couldn't wait to grow up so I could drink or go to college or even get married. When my children were infants and toddlers, I muddled through most days in anticipation of the evening when they would go to sleep, and I thought about when they would be older and more self-sufficient. When I was the caregiver for my parents, I struggled through those years frazzled and exhausted. When I held job positions that were unfulfilling, I wished for the day that I would find employment that made me happy. Looking back, I can't recall one period in my life in which I wasn't looking ahead to something different or better. The sad thing is that it took tremendous loss to wake me up. The loss of my marriage, the deaths of my parents and siblings, my children growing up and moving on with their lives. Now, I strive to live in the present moment. All those quotes about leaving the past behind and not worrying about the future are so true. When you live in the past or try to anticipate the future, you miss the here and now. So what can you do? When you're dealing with a challenge, look for the positive and learn from the experience. If you're caring for a sick loved one, treasure every minute because I promise you one day you would give anything to nurse that person again. If your children are driving you crazy, remember that sooner than you'll like, they will be moving out and starting their own lives. All the seemingly insignificant moments, both good and bad, are as Paul Anka said, the times of your life. Enjoy them all. Thank you for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.